Hello, hello. This is Week by Week. I'm Celeste, and I am 24 weeks pregnant. <sighs> 24. That feels far. We're doing it, guys. We're getting it going. We're getting it on. Well, we already got it on. That's how we got here. Am I right? But I'm bumped. We start out this episode with a solo update with me, and then later on in the episode, I talk to the wonderful, very open, and very funny Rebecca Stevens. Here we go. Okay, so the biggest thing I would say from this week is he's moving around so much. I feel him absolutely every day at this point and multiple times a day. And I'm starting to get a sense of when he gets really active and when I will do that will increase his movement. He's at the point right now where he's really starting to respond to movement So they say that like when I go on a walk, he's more likely to go to sleep. And when I'm just sitting there, that's when he really gets active. There were a couple updates from this week that I found so interesting. Well, it says, first of all, that he's practicing a lot of sucking and yawning and thumb sucking, which is really cute. Something that I was not surprised by. Well, I guess a little surprised because I haven't been tracking this as much, but My uterus is now the size of a soccer ball, which feels crazy to think about. I feel like I'm like a ball bag for gym class right now. Then I like actually catch my a picture of myself or something, and then I'll be like, oh yeah, I guess it does kind of just look like I have a soccer ball under my shirt right now. He's about a pound and a half this week, which also is like, wow, you're getting big. But we'll go into some of those stats later. He's using antibodies from my system to help him fight infection and kickstart his immune system. So happy to do it for you, little guy. And he is developing taste buds. So what I'm eating is going to have some impact, at least, on what he likes and doesn't like. Oh, the other thing I will say that has really picked up this week is emotions. Wow, everything is making me cry. Everything. And there's a lot going on in the world right now. So it feels extra sensitive, but happy, sad, funny, sweet. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. Everything. And it's funny because I haven't been crying a lot during this pregnancy. Like, I'm not saying I haven't had my moments, and I've definitely had my ebbs and flows in emotion, but I have not been weepy and normally it really doesn't take much for me to cry so that's almost been a little bit surprising because I was like well when my emotions are that raw and close to the surface I'm going to be crying all the time I thought I would be crying all the time going into pregnancy and I really if anything have felt at times disconnected from that but boy has that started hit me hard so he is about 1.8 inches long and about 1.3 pounds. So, okay, so somewhere between 1.3, 1.5. Obviously, these are all estimations. Whoa, his heartbeat is strong enough now that you could hear it through a stethoscope. That is so cool. Oh, I love that. Ooh, he's really moving around right now. 
Hi, baby. How you doing, buddy, buddy? The recommended weight gain right now is about 10 to 15 pounds total. I'm going to say right now that I know that that's personal and that's just what this book is saying. So I'm not saying that that is right or wrong. That is just what it's telling me. And it says now about a pound a week until childbirth. And then, of course, it does it, go, it does go on to say there are different variations of, quote, normal in this department. Ah, he's, wow, moving. Hi, buddy, buddy. I have my prenatal appointment next week. Whoa, hi, babe. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So he's getting antsy, so I'm going to get up and move for a little bit. But that has been my week 24 update. Just popping in to say, if you're enjoying this episode, please subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcast. While you're at it, why don't you follow us on Instagram at Week by Week Podcast and say hello, DM me. I would love to talk to you. Okay, our guest today is Rebecca Stevens. Rebecca is an actress, comedian, pre-licensed LMFT, and the mother of one giggly little boy. She is also a true delight. She's so funny, so honest, and has tons of great little tips for you. So without further ado, here is the wonderful Rebecca Stevens. How are you? We're good. I'm good. Yeah, it's been insane. I mean, even the whole giving birth during a pandemic, like my anxiety was so high. Oh my God, yeah. And then now, it's great because Norm has to work from home, so he's here all the time. And then all my grad school classes are online, so I'm at home, like literally breastfeeding while I'm learning about Freud. Like, it's unbelievable. That's amazing. You're like, there's something here. There's some, oh, like, God. metaphor yeah. to this or something. And I'm just like, I mean, does my son get, like, an honorary <laughs> degree now? Because he's been through all of grad school with me, and now yeah, he's still doing it. Yeah, of course. That's how that works. I think that's totally legit. You can say you have, like, a little boy genius now, so that's good. I have a little baby Freud. He's great. Yes, <laughs> yeah. You'll be analyzed before he can, like, do anything else. Well, that's the hardest thing is when I learn things about, like, childhood development and how kids get, like, messed up and how borderline personalities and, like, narcissists and schizophrenia, all the starts. It's always, like, they're, like, back in the day, it was the mother's fault. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> we know more now that it's not the mother or the father. But it's just, like, reading it, I'm like, oh, am I loving him too much? Is his attachment too much? How am I attaching to my child? Like, it's, it's very interesting. Yes, I can only imagine. I'm so fascinated by all of those like attachment styles and like my nightstand is like full of books now of like different types of successful parenting and like the gift of failure and like the whole brain child and like all of these things just trying to be like, okay, well, I guess we'll figure it out. And then there's also therapy. Yeah. Well, like I have a book, Raising Cain. And it's about raising, like, a young boy. And I'm like, I don't even want to open it. I can't right now. I can't even watch Ozark because of my anxiety. Like, I can't read anything about raising a son right now. Like, we're just surviving. Yes, yes. I think that's enough right now. I want to go back to your grad school at some point. But how are you managing these first couple months of life? Of How old is he now? He's, uh, what, he was born in March, so he's... He's two and a half months. 
two and a half months. Yes. My gosh. How has it been welcoming him into the world and then being in quarantine? It's going pretty smoothly. He's a good boy. I say that knowing that could all change. I mean, that's the one thing <laughs> about motherhood is once we get one thing down, there's another thing. Like for breastfeeding, took a while. I had to Google stuff. And I couldn't have anyone come over and teach me. So I had to like watch videos or like try to have a consultant via Zoom. And it's like once we figured that out, then there was like sleep problems or it's you never really get it at all. I think the main difficulty is just not having my village of people. My mother was out here in March before he was born and we had to send her back because she's 73. And I was like, it's not safe. This is like, you know, March 16th when everything was happening. And I was like, I don't know when I'm going to give birth. I don't know if it's safe. If something bad happens, you know, to my mom, I was like, what if there's not a hospital for her? I was so anxious about it. So she hasn't met him yet. And that sucks that I had to send her back home. And every day that I talk to her, she's just like, I can't wait to hold him. And I'm like, I know, but you don't understand this virus is still a thing. Like I, yeah, I would rather be overly cautious. Absolutely. It comes down to, I would be so upset if my parents died before they met my son, but I would be even more upset if they met my son. And because of that, they died. That's what it comes down to. And it's just it's such a terrifying reality that we live in. When there's no way to prepare for that, because it's like you never thought you would be making that consideration, giving birth to your first child. Yeah. I was like, my mom will be here for like a month and I'll get to sleep because she loves babies. I'm like, she'll take care of them. She'll cook, like all these things. And then, you know, we come home with the baby and it's Norm and I, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. And now that it's getting closer, I'm really thinking about that first night home. How was that whole experience? It was terrifying. We did not sleep at all. Every noise, every chirp, everything we were awake for. And then when he didn't make any noise, we freaked out to be like, is he still alive? Like, it's just terrifying because he was six pounds, four ounces. So he was so tiny. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. But yeah, we did not sleep. We didn't sleep for a good two weeks at all. Just because I was just terrified. I was terrified having him there. And I wish we would have stayed in the hospital longer but they wanted us out. I mean, thankfully, it was an easy, quote unquote, birth. Like, there's no complications. And he was underweight, but everything was fine. Like, his sugar levels were fine. So they let us go. But I really was like, I wish we could have stayed for, like, two more days or, like, two more nights. Because there's questions that come up that you don't know until you're there. Yeah. And you're not going to find it in a book because you don't know what you're going to be faced with. Like, he got a little rash on his eye. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, is, you know, I was like, is his face going to fall off now? Like, what's he allergic to? He hasn't been around anything. And it was just a thing. And he had like a stork bite, which is just like a little like rash on his neck. And I was like, oh, my God. So you end up Googling things that I wish I was in the hospital for just a little bit longer to be like, hey, nurse, what is this? Yeah. Hey, lactation consultant. How do I get my child to open up his mouth? Like all these things. So it was really hard the first night. Right. How? Tell me. I want to hear everything that you like can. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I Googled latch all the time just to figure Uh out what people are like, you'll just know. And the thing is, is I feel like we're in a better position now where people don't expect you to know how to breastfeed. Like, it's not like, oh, it's easy and breast is best. And that's what you have to do. And it's in your nature to know how to do it when that's not the case at all. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Your baby doesn't know what he's doing either. Like, he's still trying to figure it out. So it really is just trial and error. Like, wow. I found the best sitting position that made me comfortable. And I literally was just like shoving my nipple into my son's mouth and like getting him to open up and just take it. And they get it. But like uh-huh. one of the nurses 
was like, well, you know, if he doesn't eat within like four hours, like something's wrong. And I was like, but I'm trying to get him to eat, but like he doesn't seem like he's getting any, anything. And she's like, no, he's getting the colostrum, which is like the beginning milk. Right. She's like, as long as he gets a little bit drops of those every few hours. And I was like, okay. He would breastfeed for like a minute. And that was it. Now we've got it down. It's great. It's not great. It's just, it's what it is. <laughs> I mean, in the beginning, it hurts too. Like your nipples are going to get raw. It's going to suck. He's going to be fussing and so hungry. And you guys are just trying to like, basically just get it in his mouth is basically what it is. <laughs> and that just takes time. It really does. Yeah. I was just thinking about this. There's so much I don't know about breastfeeding, though I intend to breastfeed, assuming it works out. I totally understand that, like, fed is best, and so that's the mentality we're going to go on. Yeah, But is it just kind of finding the right angle and just getting comfortable with the whole thing? Yeah, like, I had, I was using pillows, and then I got my breast friend, and then I still use a pillow underneath it, and sometimes in the middle of the night, I'm just so tired that I just hold him up against me. And like a lot of people do say, yeah, fed is best. And that's totally true. And I even asked my pediatrician, I was like, you know, can we do formula? And they're like, sure, as long as he eats. And I swear to God, I've tried every formula and he does not like it at all. So I'm like, all I can do is give him breast milk. And I keep like every day, I'll like try a different formula and be like, you like it? Hates it. Just, (laughs) it will not go near it. And I'm like, why? I mean, I've tasted my breast milk. It's not that great. I'm like, why do you think this is any better? (laughs) I'm really curious about what it tastes like, to be honest. And I was like, Dave, you're going to try this at some point, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. That's like just a given. It's not weird. No, I made sure. I told my husband, I was like, just try it. Well, this is gross, but also loving and endearing and also weird. (laughs) But I didn't know if like milk was coming out. I literally had my husband. I was like, just suck on a nipple for just see if any milk comes out. Like, I love that so much. And he did because he's a team player. <laughs> Listen, if you'll do it during sex, you got to do it during right? like you, it's the same body. It's just slightly different. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we did that a couple times. And well, we, we do it every day now. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting so real now that I'm just like, there is so much that I feel like I just like you were saying, I don't even know what the questions I have yet because there is so much that's just an unknown. Did you always know you wanted to be a mom or what was your journey like for toward motherhood? Oh, no, I didn't. I'm the youngest of five children in my family. So I never really had to take care of children. And then by the time my siblings did have kids, I was already in California. So I was just the aunt that came home and played and didn't have to really take care of kids and babies. So it wasn't anything that I was like, oh God, I have to do this. And You know, I got married at 36, so I took my time. By then, I was like, my husband and I were like, I mean, do we, I guess we we can try. Like, let's just try. We're getting older. Like, let's see what happens. And I literally just, like, pulled out my IUD, and I was like, I bet I get pregnant right away, (laughs) which (laughs) is not the case at all. So we, like, tried for a couple months and took a month and didn't drink, thinking, like, that would help. And then I was like, oh, I think I have to, like, track my (laughs) period. I was like, there's things that you can do (laughs) to get pregnant. I had no idea, because I feel like growing up, we're taught that, oh, if you don't use birth control, you're going to get pregnant. Or if you have sex, yeah, you're going to get pregnant right away. So that's what I was like, I bet that's how that happens. And it didn't, but thankfully, we only tried for seven months. So we were very, very lucky, and I really feel for my friends and family members that have tried to get pregnant and they are struggling and it just breaks my heart because I know there's so many women and men out there that it's all they want and of course it's such a precious and sensitive matter to talk about and deal with but infertility is so heartbreaking so my heart goes out to everyone that is struggling 
Absolutely. Knock on wood, we were just lucky. Actually, our story is we were doing it, obviously having sex. (laughs) I had read somewhere that if the man has an orgasm, it's more likely that you'll get pregnant because the woman's like vagina will like shake and like suck up the sperm or something like that. Oh yes, the contractions like help pull it it toward the egg. Yeah. So we were having beautiful, beautiful love and doing it. (laughs) And I had had an orgasm. So in my head, I was like, you know, I'll whisper in his ear that, you know, like, come, like really like sexy, like, but what came out of me was come. (laughs) It's like the worst, like devilish voice. (laughs) But he did. And then I got pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So it worked. So it worked out. Yeah. So Um, sometimes it's just about dropping the tone down to a kind of a devilish. Devilish. Yeah, it definitely worked. But even then, like, I didn't know I was pregnant for like a month, over a month. And I drank so much alcohol and just was not, (laughs) (laughs) I was working, I was traveling a lot. And then like, I realized I was like, oh, my period hasn't come. Like I knew it was supposed to come, but periods are insane anyway. Yeah. And then I was doing a show in New York and I had a like a cheap pregnancy test that I had brought with me just in case. So I obviously was subconsciously aware that something could happen. And it looked like there was a faint line. So I was like, oh God. And it was after I had just like gone to a Turkish restaurant and drank a whole bottle of red wine. So I was like, oh God. And then the next day I went to like a CVS and got a real test and there was a plus and I was like, oh my God. But my husband wasn't with me. So I like had like four days to have this little secret and be like, oh, we're pregnant, we're pregnant. When I got back to LA, I told him, and he knew. He was like, I knew because you didn't say your period had started. And I was like, oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) You're amazing for holding that for four days because I literally, I was was surprised. (laughs) I mean, not out of the realm of possibility, obviously. But I went downstairs and I had like in my mind this whole plan of like how I would tell him when it happened. And then I went downstairs, took this pregnancy test after having this like vivid dream about taking a pregnancy test. Mm. And it was crazy. And I took it and then I like had like 30 seconds downstairs and then I like woke him up and was like, oh, I have to tell you something. Oh, (laughs) that's so cute. (laughs) Oh God, that's so so cute. It's such a weird experience. And again, like we were trying, but we were like, we were also very open to it not happening because of, we're not old, but I'm, you know, I'm now 39. And so I'm like, I don't know if like my body wants to do that. Like, I don't know if it wants to have big, we might be too old, but we were lucky that every test was like, yeah, you're fine. You could get pregnant if you wanted to, like, it should be fine. So yeah, we were lucky in that aspect. Every once in a while, like two and three in the morning, I'd be like, remember when we wanted this? (laughs) Remember when this is what we, all we wanted? Do you remember when we were trying? (laughs) This is a choice we made. We were happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. You remember? Like now there's a screaming baby all the time. This is what we wanted, right? (laughs) I'm really curious about how it transforms and changes your relationship. I've read all of these like, you know, studies about like how, your satisfaction can go down for a little while or it can really, you know, whatever. But also people have said glowing things about it. So I'm just curious about how you guys have navigated having now a third in your dynamic. We're very good at communicating and we're very honest with each other. I was worried about like postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it helps being in grad school and learning about therapy, but I just was aware of like, it could happen and that's okay. And like, we needed to talk about it. It could happen for him too. And that's okay. We just need to talk about it. And luckily I had like baby blues for like three days, but I remember just like crying and being like, oh God, very aware of it. And mm-hmm. being mad and being like, why am I mad? And just being aware of it and like talking about it. So we've done a really good job about communicating to each other, but we've definitely had 
the like the nights where the next morning we'll look at each other and be like, I had like the night, the night where the baby is crying and you would never hurt the child, but you see why people would shake a baby or like just you want it to shut up. Right. And it's that anger and that feeling and it's the weirdest thing ever. And so like both of us having experienced that sort of situation, we realized we're in this together as a team. Like, yes. And we're not against the baby, but like this is the hardest thing that we've had to go through right now. And we're yeah. in this together as a team, and we need to remember that. And I think what really helps us out, and I think it will for you and Dave, too, is just every day we give each other our own time. Like, he'll go out and work out for, like, an hour, or I will go sit and read for, like, an hour or, like, go on a walk. Like, we're, like, I'm on baby duty. You go do what you have to do. And we let each other have that time. That's great. And then another key thing is after a couple weeks, like, we stopped both waking up with the baby because at first we would wake up and he would change his diaper and I would feed him and Norm would stay awake the whole time which I was like that's ridiculous like you should sleep so now we do it where Norm will go to bed at like 10 and I'm in the other room with the baby uh, sleeping but if the baby wakes up I take care of him until like 3 30 and then we switch places so oh that's great each of us gets like four or five hours every night of just undisturbed sleep which is really incredible I think it just comes down to knowing that you guys are a team and just communicating even if it's hard to talk about like talk about what you're feeling if you're mad if you're sad like all of it because it's just draining and the key really is just survival like you guys are just surviving you don't have to feed him right you don't have to diaper him right you don't have to bathe him right you just have to get by the baby will be fine he doesn't know he hasn't read the books he has no idea like (laughs) yeah he's not judging you he's just like no figuring out the world yeah so I think you just have to be really easy on yourself and easy on each other and just know that you're a team through this. That's so great. Have you found that a lot of your grad school stuff has filtered in or like, I would so curious because I haven't talked to you about this, your journey to decide to, because you're going for, to become a therapist, right? Yes. Yes. So I guess your journey and interest into that and then how you see that bleeding into parenting or your awareness of being a parent. Well, it's interesting because when I showed up to my first day of grad school, I was exactly like three months pregnant so I could start telling people oh wow but this was something that when we were like well let's try to have a kid I was also like but I'm also going to apply for grad school like you know I didn't want to have to choose between one or the other having no idea that both would happen at once I mean obviously it's, it's worked out but my reasoning for going to grad school is I always wanted to be a therapist and I think my years of bartending have put me in the position where all I do is listen to people and like oh, yeah. try to give them advice or just like listen and sit there and be there for people. And once, you know, our comedy club closed, I am not going to name it, but once it closed, <laughs> I realized that, oh, I wanted just, I wanted more. Like I was like, now I want to be an adult. I think that's part of my life is over. I want to do something where I'm not living off of tips. Like I want to have a real job eventually. And now I find that a lot of it is bleeding in, but mostly it's for me. Like The school is like my own sort of therapy, especially when I just get to go and be immersed in it for three days a month. And it's all about me. And it's like the selfish thing that I'm doing to better myself that has nothing to do with my husband, has nothing to do with my baby. It's just kind of all for me, which really helps too. And it's also given me a new identity so that I'm not just a mom now. Yes. Going to school to be something else. And I think one of my biggest fears of being a mom was that's what I was going to be is just a mom. I've been very lucky that a lot of my friends always ask how I am. They don't always ask, like, oh, how's the baby? They'll be like, how are you? And I'm like, that's huge. If you could just ask a pregnant woman or a woman that's just given birth how she is, or a mother forever, how is she? 
not how the baby is, not how the kid is, but how is she doing? And that just helps me personally have a different identity than it is to just being a mom. Yeah, I totally relate to that because I think it is, there are so many huge ideas of like what motherhood is. And I think as society, we so often unknowingly just project those like motherhood should be all consuming or motherhood should be. And so I I love that finding places to continue to have your own identity. Do you find that it has shifted from starting into now shifted ideas you've had about parenting? Yeah, I don't think I really had any expectations. I think it goes back to the same way when I got married. I was like, I didn't know I was ever going to get married until I met my now husband. And I was like, oh, I could marry you. And then I was like, why don't I consider that? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> Instead of like, just think of dating someone, like, why can't it be something more? But I never thought that I would really get married. And therefore, I never thought I would have a kid. And it just comes down to like, I didn't have those expectations. I was just kind of going through life and finding joy in everything I did as much as I could, but not really having rules. I never, and thankfully my parents were never like, well, after college, you have to get married. You have to get a job. Like there was no timeline. So I didn't put a timeline on myself. And I just had faith that everything was going to work out the way that it should, regardless of what it was. So that helped a lot. Yeah. And I bet that helps with parenting too, where you're going into it and you're saying like, because we are in such a society of kids with enormous expectations. And I've read all of these studies of like, kids think that their parents will love them less if they get bad grades or things like that. God, I've not even read that. (laughs) Oh, it's awful. Like now I'm going to butcher it. I'll have to try to find the actual thing. But it was like asking kids to raise their hands and see if if they felt basically their parents' love was contingent on their performance in schools. And the overwhelming, I think if not every kid in the class, the overwhelming majority felt like that was the case. So, you know, we're in this place of helicopter parents projecting expectations and get into your Ivy Leagues and all of that. So, Yeah, well, I went to Arizona State, so the bar set super low (laughs) for my son. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, he could go to college. He doesn't have to go to college. Like, what? I don't think... I've thought that far ahead of about it. I also, another thing, this is a little more advice that my husband and I talked about is we're bringing a child into our life. We're not changing our life for this child. That being said, we've definitely changed our life for this child, of course. But right. it's also the thing of like, we want to go on a walk. We're going to go on a walk with the baby. If he sleeps, he sleeps. Like, it's just, I mean, we're just trying to make it like, this is our life that he's a part of now. So I don't think... I'm going to be a helicopter parent. Like, I'm too selfish. There's too many things that I want to do and be. Yeah. And it's funny because in my neighborhood, there's so many happy graduation signs, like class of 2020, but it's like Mm. for kindergarten or for like eighth grade. (laughs) And I'm like, why? The child's not graduating. They're just continuing school. Yeah. Graduating is high school or it's college or it's grad school. Like, it's not kindergarten. And. Some people are like, but they're going to, you know, they're going to go to a different school and be away from their friends. But they're five. They're not going to remember these friends. Like, <laughs> it'll be okay. I don't know. There's some things. I don't think that's the kind of mom I'm going to be. Now, I could be completely wrong. And this might kick me in the ass if, I, if I'm, like, <laughs> all of a sudden, like, all over my child and being a helicopter parent. But right now, it just doesn't sound convenient to me. And so I don't want to do it. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think there's something there that's really good. Because it's also... The things I've read have been like, uh, the resilience is down if you're like constantly micromanaging or like there's a whole thing. Dave and I were talking this morning about, I'm reading The Gift of Failure and he's reading the book Range. And there's a section in both books that kind of crossover that talks about 
the struggle that's necessary for a kid to like actually learn. If you break down every single like math problem, they're not actually going to learn and retain in the same way they would if they had to like make the connections themselves and kind of struggle through that experience. And so I've just been thinking a lot about that side of parenting too, of being like, no, you got to be uncomfortable a little bit. And like, we'll make sure you're in a safe box. So it's like, you're not going to be uncomfortable by running in the middle of the street and hoping you don't get hit by a car, but Mm -hmm. you know, uncomfortable in terms of like, you don't know how to do this. I believe that you can figure it out. And like that discomfort is something you're going to experience. Yeah. Well, Anything that involves math, I feel like, again, I went to Arizona State, so my child better figure it out. I'm not going to help him at all. This is on you. Yeah. (laughs) When are you due again? I'm due September 9th. Okay, awesome. Have people been telling you to catch up on sleep now? Yes, which is hard because it's like I am not sleeping as well because I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) Like, Oh, it's impossible. Oh, I had heartburn and leg cramps and my son just punching me and yes, I had to Google it. I forgot what it was called, but I had this weird like pain on the bottom of my foot and I would get up and it felt like I was walking on like a rolled up sock, like on my foot, on the sole of my foot. And I had to, oh and it was, it's a real pregnancy thing that I had to look up and I was like, oh my God, like the things that happen to your body, especially in like your last trimester, like you're not going to catch up on sleep. And anyone that says that just punch them. Like it's not a thing. And it's mostly guys yeah. that say it too. And I'm like, what? You don't even know. Yeah, you're like, this is something somebody repeated to you for some reason, or you heard someone say at one point, and now you're saying it to me. And Dave, too, has been affected by his sleep. And I was like, well, we're just, it's boot camp. It's boot camp for us to just, like, not sleep anymore. Yeah, it's fine. And when people say sleep when the baby sleeps, that's bullshit, too. Because thing is, you'll, you know, do it, like, the first two weeks, but then after that, you're going to want to do things. Like, yeah, when the baby's asleep, then you can actually, like, empty the dishwasher. You know, yes, you can watch something without having your breasts out the whole time. Like you, it's just, (laughs) that hasn't worked for me. You can't sleep when the baby's, I couldn't sleep when the baby slept at least. Yeah. That's one that was told to me very passionately the other day. And I like the idea. And I think that that'll be something I'll try at certain points, but it's crazy how impassioned people get about being like, no, but listen to me, you have to do this. And you're like, yeah, but like, I don't even know what this kid's like yet. I don't know what his personality is like. I can't tell you what I am or I'm not going to do until I like have him here. Yeah. It's wild. How did you go about forming a birth plan? Did you stick to that? Or like, what was that? My doctor keeps being like, eh, we'll get there. My birth plan was go to the hospital, get some drugs, wake up and hold a baby. Like that was like <laughs> it. What happened to me is I was due the 27th, but because of the uh, fear of the virus, when I saw my doctor, I saw him on a Thursday. He's like, we might induce you on Monday just to get you to the hospital to have this baby. And in my head, I was like, I don't want to be induced. Like, I want this to happen naturally. So I spent all weekend, well, Friday and Saturday, where I drank like raspberry tea, which is supposed to help like your uterus. I did lunges. I did jumping jacks. Norm and I had sex like three times a day. The <laughs> sex was great. I walked for like miles I sat on a a yoga ball, like sitting and like going up and down on it. And then I finally took a tablespoon of castor oil. Oh, I also went to that. There's a restaurant in Studio City that makes the salad that has dressing that's supposed to. Oh, yeah. yeah. The pregnancy salad or the labor salad or something. I had that on a Friday. Saturday had done like the tea, the sex, the lunges, everything. Had the castor oil. And then Saturday night at like 1030 at night, all of a sudden I was like, oh, did I pee? I was like, did I just pee? And I stood up and my water just gushed. Like TV gushed. Like when I didn't, I didn't think that was a thing, but all of a sudden I was like, 
oh my God. I was like, I think it's happening. I was like, oh. And then I just like stood there as like water was gushing out of me. And I was like, I think my water broke. <laughs> That's so wild. And I was like, yeah, it broke. And I was like, okay. So then I was like, cool. So I poured myself a glass of wine and then I took it with me into the shower and I took a shower and we had the bag packed and everything. And I was like, I guess we just go to the hospital. So it was like 1130 at night now. And we're driving to the ER and I'm like, oh my God, it's, you know, Saturday night at 1130, like the ER is going to be packed. But I forgot that all the bars were closed. So there was no drunk drivers. There was no like DUI, like none of that was happening. We get to the ER and nobody's there. So we just like sign in and they bring me into a room. And I was like, I thought they were going to send me home because I was like, sure, my water broke, but I don't have any contractions. So I'm, I mean, I'm sure you guys are going to send me home. And they're like, no, no, no. Once your water breaks, like there's like fear of infection. You have to stay here. And I was like, oh, okay. So I guess we're staying here. So they get me admitted and like in the bed and everything. And they're like, do you want an epidural? And I was like, sure, but like, let me wait till I, I want one. Like I, I wasn't going to do a natural birth, but I was like, but I want to know what this feels like. Yeah. I was so dumb. So for four hours, I just like go through contractions, like not just being like, this hurts, but is this like a 10? Like I couldn't figure <laughs> out. And then finally at like four in the morning, I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like, I don't like the way this feels. Cause it's like the weirdest this is kind of gross, but it feels like if you were to eat a box of laxatives uh-huh. and you're about to like shit yourself and you're trying not to shit yourself, but your whole like body is just contracting and hurting. Oh. So it's not that I've eaten a whole box of laxatives, but I yeah. assume that's what it's like. But it's just like the weirdest feeling. And I was like, I don't want to feel this anymore. So they gave me the drugs and then I slept for like an hour and before I fell asleep, they checked to see if I was dilated. I was just dilated like one centimeter. So I was like, all right, this is probably going to be a long night. And they put some sort of like nugget cushion in between my legs and I slept for like an hour. And I woke up at 930 and I had two nurses. One of them was in training. She was actually shadowing like we were eating at a Chili's and they're like, hi, I'm Amber. <laughs> and this is Kristen. She's going to be shadowing me. Like here are our appetizers. Like she was literally like in training doing this. Oh my God, that's so funny. She was like, do you want to go run that tray to them and see how (laughs) that goes? (laughs) Did you take their drink orders? Like, that's number one. (laughs) The nurse like checked to see if I was dilated. And then she had like the girl in training check. And the girl in training is like, I can't tell how far she's dilated. I can't can't figure it out. And the nurse is like, that's because you're feeling the baby's head. Like she's at a 10. I was at a 10 by like nine o'clock in the morning. And I was like, I "I thought I had more time. (laughs) Like, what is this? Now I do have to preface that by whole birth, people are going to hate me because I realized that birth is hard and that a lot of women go through a lot of pain and they're in there for hours. I pushed nine times and the baby came out. Like, oh my God. Unheard of. I don't know how it happened. And I, I know people are going to hate me because it, I would hate me if I wasn't me because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like I literally pushed three times, took a break, pushed three times, took a break, pushed. And then I had my eyes closed and Norm was like, sweetie, open your eyes. And I was like, I don't want to open my eyes. He's like, your baby is in front of you. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Whoa, that's amazing. That being said, I definitely like ripped and I had to get stitches and all that that beautiful stuff. And oh, I feel like that's inevitable. I have not heard a single person who hasn't had a tear of some degree. I like tear it on the side. Like I didn't even tear. I thought I was going to tear like towards the butt. I was like, yeah, that's probably what I'll do. But I tear it on the sides, which I don't know if that's better or worse. It still hurts. Like for a good 10 days afterwards, like I was just sitting on ice and bleeding and everything. But yeah, I literally pushed and then he came out. It's a great birth story, but also one where I'm like, this is not normal. Like I guarantee if I have another baby, like it's going to be horrific and I'm going to get karma for it. And I'm going to be like, I get that. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) 
What was it like? I keep envisioning to the amount that my imagination can envision because it's such a foreign idea. But what was it like, like the first time you saw your baby? Oh, he was disgusting. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're covered in the white stuff, oh, right? Oh, so gross. <laughs> yeah, I literally was like, oh my God, this is what my vagina made? All right. <laughs> uh, but it was also, he was really quiet. At, so he was six pounds, four ounces. So he was little, which is also why the birth was easy, easier. It mm. wasn't easy. Like, uh, let me go back. When I was pushing, the doctor at one point had to stick his fingers inside and like, roll them around the head to make room. And I felt that. Like, it wasn't Ooh, fun. Yeah. Like, it was, it still hurt. It was really weird. But when he first came out, he wasn't crying much. So I, like, just went to every Lifetime movie that I ever saw about a baby, like, not living Ugh. or, like, not breathing. or And I was just like, oh, why isn't he crying? Why? Like, I was yeah. freaking out. And then all of a sudden, he cried. And I was like, oh, okay. So one thing on my birth plan, which didn't ever exist, but I did want skin on skin, where I was like, I yes. want him to be on me if he can. And he got to be on me for like a few seconds. And then they're like, he's so little, we have to take him. And I was like, okay, I get that. That's fine. I was like, Norm, you watch where they take him. Like, do not. And they didn't. They took him in the same room. It was fine. But I was like, do not take your eyes off our son. Yes, I told that to Dave. I'm like, if there's any reason that baby leaves the room, you are like attached to that baby. Like there is never out of your sight. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. So that was... Definitely terrified until they started to cry. And I was like, okay, he's crying. This is fine. Ugh. But I was also so drugged up that apparently Norm's like, you said some jokes that were just not funny. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, like you're going to critique me after I yeah, brought life I into the world? He's like, I think you blamed our son for stealing your thigh gap. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds like me. I probably said that to him. But I was, I mean, the epidural, like, oh, it's beautiful. I would, <laughs> oh, so great. But like, there's a good, good four hours where I'm like, I know I was there and coherent, but I have no idea what was happening. I have no idea how long we stayed in, like, the delivery room after I, like, all of a sudden we were just, like, in, like, the recovery room. And I was like, where are we? Oh, wow. <laughs> What's happening? I'm sure, too, with the flooding of, like, hormones and just, like, the whole adrenaline of the experience, I'm sure it just, like, makes everything kind of foggy. Oh, yeah. My body was shaking. Once my water broke... My body like started to shake violently and I was like, did I take some drugs? Like, what is happening to me? Yeah. And then after I gave birth, it shook again and I was like, this is so weird, but it's just like your body kind of goes into shock. So I was like, oh, this is where my body does in shock. All right. This is weird. Do you have anything that you feel in terms of pregnancy or motherhood is under talked about topic or anything you wish people talked about more or like wish you had known going in? There's a lot of pain after birth that people kind of talk about, but not really. Like, you're going to bleed. And I passed blood clots that were huge, and no one told me. So I, like, freaked out. I was like, am I dying? No. Yeah. That's just, like, parts of my body just, like, coming out of me. I also had, like, night sweats where I would wake up. And this is after the birth, where I'd wake up just, like, covered in sweat. And nobody told me about that. And nobody told me how hard it was to breastfeed. But, again, we already talked about that. You, you just kind of figure it out. As someone that is, loves sex in general, I was like, six weeks, like, we're, it's going to be fine. We're going to do it, like, yada, yada. And I had gone to my month checkup with my doctor, and he was like, okay, everything's healing. You're doing fine. And I was like, you know, can I have sex? Because I felt fine. Like, I even felt, like, horny. I was like, I feel great. Like, this is fine. And my doctor was like, wait a little bit. And I was like, oh, fine, whatever. So I waited, like, exactly six weeks, and we had sex, and it hurt so bad like really yeah like we had to stop because I was like you're you're ripping me like I feel like I'm giving birth the opposite way like it was oh wow I couldn't do it 
and no one told me. Like, I think my mom kind of told me some stuff because, you know, I gave her props. She's a great mother. But, like, no one told me that it was going to hurt that much. And I think people are like, think that you should just be able to jump back in bed after six weeks and that's not it. Like, listen to your body. Yeah. We tried it and it didn't work. And I was like, okay, let's, like, wait a couple of days. We'll do it again. And we did. And, like, eventually it did work a lot sooner than I thought it would. And I was like, thank oh, that's good. God. But even every now and again, and we're still, what, two and a half months in? Like, we had sex earlier today, and I was like, ow, it hurts. Don't know why, but it's, I mean, I do know why. I gave birth, and I'm still healing. Right. But your body's not going to bounce back right away, and that's fine. Again, like, there's no schedule. You don't have to get back into it right away. And I just put the pressure on myself because that's me. But then I was able to step back and be like, okay, I'm not ready. And it still hurts from time to time. And then my husband's like, great, I get a blowjob. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> there are solutions to this. We just go back to high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like losing your virginity where you're like, well, it's going to just take a couple times before it feels Well, that's anything exactly good. what I say. I'm like, I feel like I'm losing my virginity again. Like, oh. Uh, <laughs> you're so, like, I, can't, I just proved that I am not a virgin. I pushed a baby out of me. Like, do I have to go through this pain again? Yeah. And another thing is if you do breastfeed, people are like, oh, the pounds just fall off. And they don't. It doesn't. You lose weight right away because you give birth to a child and it comes out of you. But that's mm-hmm. what you lose. But you don't bounce back. And I feel like people should stop saying that you're going to bounce back if you breastfeed because that's not the case. And I know I'm still new to this, but yeah. I still see it. I'm like, oh, like your stomach's going to look weird. Your butt's going to look weird. Your body is just going to be so stretched out. You just have to be gentle and careful with yourself because people that bounce back are the people that have personal trainers and they have chefs and they're working out all the time and you're not going to want to do that. <laughs> when I've heard it's a weird balance anyway, because you need to, if you like overexert or don't eat enough calories, then your milk production can go down. So like trying to find that balance of like, if you are wanting to lose weight right away and like, I know with my own personal history, I'm going to feel that pressure. And so I'm trying to already gear myself up for being like, don't worry about it. There are more important things. Yeah, well, me too. Like, I had an eating disorder in college. Again, ASU. I mean, I just blame that school for everything. <laughs> but so, yeah, I had the same thing. And that was another thing that I was worried about. I was like, oh, God, am I going to have, like, even being pregnant. I was like, yeah, my body's going to change. I have to be okay with this. Like, I literally, and it helped being at grad school, really, going, you know, for therapy. It, it helped me yeah. just be aware of my body and be like, I have to be okay with it. And even now, I just have to cut myself some slack. Like, I have to be okay with it. Like, I can't work out the way that I used to. Well, first of all, all my gyms are closed. That's the thing. Right. But second of all, like, my body just can't do that yet. So you just have to be nice to your body. And I read something that was really great where they're like, you know, it took you nine months for your body to change. It's going to take nine months for it to go back. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, your body just went through this huge transformation. So just be nice to yourself. And I think it sucks that we're in L.A. where we see the celebrities that are just, like, you know, perfect all the time. But you're not going to bounce back. Sex is going to hurt. There you go. I would love to talk to you again in three months or a little over three months, probably, if that's okay. Whenever you want to. I've got stories and I will have so many more. And I'm now, I'm, I bet there's so many other things that I will remember when we're done talking because my brain is such a mesh. I mean, my brain is nothing right now. Please, but honestly, if you think of anything else, I would love to, if you have time, I would love to hop on again or anything. So if anything comes up, please let me know. Yay, I love it. Thank you for having me on. Oh my gosh, thank you for being on. It was so good to see you. It's so nice to like see your face. I and, know, like, but I want to hug. I'm like, Whoa. I know. Remember human contact with people that you're not married to? Oh my thing. gosh. I've heard about it. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> most contact I get is when somebody puts on the uh, armband so I can get my blood pressure or if I have my husband. Those are my two points of contact right now. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Week by Week. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at Week by Week Podcast. Check out the show notes for additional resources I used or referenced during this episode. This podcast was produced during the COVID-19 pandemic and recorded remotely. Our show today was produced by me, Celeste Busa, and Dave Hill, and edited by Douglas Sarine and Colleen Beasley. Week by Week is a Gumption Pictures production.